Welcome to the Trap Once and Future podcast. This episode is about the third volume of Big Finish's 60th anniversary series, A Genius for War, which sees the Doctor return to his seventh incarnation and face his old nemesis, Davros. I'm Mark, and the rest of your fearless Once and Future team are Keith. Hello. James. Hello. And Fraser. Hello. So Genius for War is written by Jonathan Morris and sees the Doctor team up with The General from Day of the Doctor, Vecklin from various Big Finish Time War set stories, in an attempt to rescue an apparently defecting Davros from his Dalek prison. Uh, so what were our initial thoughts on this uh, this box set, if we, if we go around the room? Uh, so, Fraser? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, out of the three, it's possibly the one that I've enjoyed the least. Um, I think the other two were actually quite... You know, I was quite taken with um, this one less so, but that's not to say that I didn't enjoy it. Um, good plot, good story, great performances, which I'm sure we'll discuss, but yeah. Oh, I actually really like the story. I think it's different to what we've had already, um, but I love the combination of Seventh Doctor and Davros, and the performances, like you say, are really, really good. Um it's it could be in any box set i think it, the, it it's it's a story that you, you could have stand alone but it is the first story really to to actually feature the degeneration as a plot device um so i kind of liked that bit of you know there was some clever writing and some really clever dialogue as well and but um i like the fact that that did play part of it even though it felt very different to the first two um and a complete sidestep to the overall arching uh story and keith i think probably right in saying that you're the most familiar with the time war series that big finish put out so i guess you've got that, that perspective on it as well it, yes it's got two returning characters who have appeared um the general obviously been on telly and uh, becklin but as it's already been said it's very much a standalone it, the one I sort of like, didn't relish re-listening to today, but once I started it, it was fine. But I didn't sort of think, oh, goody, I'm going to listen to that one again. I have to say, it um, it wasn't, as already been said, it's not the uh, probably the uh, the strongest in the overall uh, plot for it, but it's fun enough. Yeah, I liked it a lot because uh, it's, uh, it's Seventh Doctor and it's uh, it's he's facing off against Davros again, so that, that for me is very exciting. And I did like the storyline. I like the characters. I think the general we'll, we'll dig into. I think is a fascinating character, and and I, I definitely the second listen, I picked up a lot more stuff from him, um, and it clarified some stuff for me on the on the, the second listen as well, which it was kind of useful because I'd come away with a slightly different impression of him and and, and the story. Mm. I think. Um, so the Doctor's been taken out of time, like in the Trial of a Time Lord. I think it used sort of, sort of similar sound effects. It was like the end of the last story, wasn't it? And it, and it shows you on this one. And taken to the same space station, which is Space Station Zenobia, that he was put on trial. With a hint of the trial music as well, which I thought was rather nice. Yeah. Just to, to give the impression that it's there. There was just a few musical stings, wasn't there? And, th and that name, is that from Expanded Media? I don't think that's not in the Trial of a Time Lord, is it? been created later i think right so it's it's now um, a base for the time lords during the time war and i thought i felt like this story again something i i recognize more in the second listen there's a lot of kind of duality and mirroring uh going on i think between the two races and uh, there's a thing about you know the time lords being on this this satellite space station and the daleks being on the moon of falcus um you've got the the place where the doctor was put on trial and then the place where davros well, probably didn't have a trial, but you know he's, he's imprisoned and things like that. So there's there's a lot of that kind of thing going on, and I think the the Dalek moon is, is Falcus, which is Davros's prison. And there was a, a remark by the writer Johnny Morris in the Warp magazine, which helps us to uncover the origins of this today. Uh, that um, that Keith uh, kindly provided for us. Yeah, I generally had no idea it was a, a pre-used thing. Then when I thought it was quite a nice original concept, it's when he discovered that that was also <laughs> been used previously in uh, something. I thought, oh, so that's it's been definitely been a shopping list of uh, things to add for this. But I suppose it's an anniversary story isn't going to be, but uh, I had no idea until you pointed out today. But there it is in the um, the gloriously coloured 
Dalek's Omnibus. It's got, a, it's got its own section. If you go to page 8689, there's a whole two-page write-up about it. Mm. Well, that's the 1976. It's a Marks and Spencer's book, I think. I was going to read about it today, uh, which I don't have it in my collection. I'm definitely going to look, look out for it. At one point, you couldn't go to a car boot sale without it being there. It was, it was like uh, <laughs> as ubiquitous as Jaws was in, in charity shops for a while, but then it seems to have, uh, the supply has dried up again. <laughs> And there are a lot of echoes of other Dalek stories here, I thought. The genesis of the Daleks, you've got on the moon of Falcons, you've got a recreation of the, the Neutronic War between the the Daleks and the Thals. You've got these Khaleds who think they're fighting the Thals in a dome. In, from evil of the Daleks, you've got this idea that there's a Dalek factor and a human factor in here. You've got the Time Lord factor. Yeah. Asylum of the Daleks, you've got the the humanoids that turn into sort of Dalek zombies with, with Dalek guns that come out of their hands, which, which were in the time of the Doctor as well. And a bit of Magician's Apprentice of Davros summoning the Doctor to him. So again, like an anniversary story, there's a lot of sort of um, like yeah, classic Dalek beats there, isn't there? Yeah. The, um, I mean, the hybrid as well. The hybrid, mm. yeah. They talk about... It, it's, a, it's a curious mix of new and old. Because like you say, you've got... The time war you've got the general you've got some of the themes from capaldi's era then you've got these hark backs to genesis i mean directly as in they you know the general says well the doctor failed to you know in his mission to stop the dialects it directly links back to that some of the dialogue as well is very reminiscent of genesis as well i think there's a line where he says uh, that's exactly what I wanted to know. Yep. And yeah, the, gen- <laughs> the general said that. The general had that line, didn't he? Yeah. Just the obligatory, you've been doing this place up a bit, I don't like it, which I think every doctor has <laughs> now said at some point. Yeah. Um, there's there's lots of nice little dialogue thing. Uh, the, the seventh doctor at some point says, oh, I've got an ace up my sleeve as well. And these, these little... Little change, back. my dear, and not a moment too soon. Yes, yes. <laughs> that was yeah, that was that was another one. Um, so yeah, it, it's quite. I, I I loved listening to for all those little callbacks, nods, references, um, and like I say, it, it it's probably the one that spanned such a wide variety of different eras of Doctor Who to, to what we've we've had so far. Plus the, mo- the whopping big bit is the fact that Davros' plan is basically what the Master does later, but using the Cybermen instead. So, I mean, mm. that's... Yeah. not quite sure how they got them past that, because usually the BBC, if, it's, if plots are sort of like similar to... I suppose it's, it's a, a, a previous story now, but usually they've sort of like been a bit uh, strict on... Um, plots which are that mirror the the current series, so it's. Uh, mm. I thought, well, I've got that one through. <laughs> in um, the Magician's Apprentice, and which is familiar, it, it's although it's not extracting the Time Lord DNA, it is extracting the Time Lord regeneration ability. Yep. So I, I was kind of like, yeah. oh yeah. The plot was Davros has now been put off from this idea, but actually later on he is going to conduct, you know, find a way of harnessing the regeneration energy to try and um, bring about that sort of change. One of the big problems I did have with this, though, it was, it was so blatantly obvious that the whole resolution was going to be the Doctor's current condition was going to sabotage it. It wasn't really a twist, was it? Because <laughs> it was... Um, well, blatantly, obviously, that was what was going to happen. It even became worse because the doctor insisted, oh, yes, no, I'll do it. I must do it. Oh, no, it's my responsibility. I thought, yeah, you just need a neon sign now. Hmm. Yeah, I did I did think that as well. I, I, and I don't normally spot things coming, but it, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I suppose that's how obvious it was. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's similar with, with the last one, with the artist at the end of time. You know, the the ending of that was was obvious to us. Um you know the way that was going, the, the the direction this one was going as well, I think was you know once you realised it was going in that direction because a lot of things happened before then. Mm. It's a very busy plot, I thought. <laughs> um, you know, I was possibly it's possibly not the story I was expecting, and maybe that's why it's it doesn't feel like it's landed 
as well with me. I think um, you know the, the other two you've you've had um, the fourth Doctor and Sarah Jane plus Osgood and Kate Stewart plus the Monk, and then you've had you know Colin Baker, uh, sorry, um, the curator with the fifth Doctor with Jenny. So you're having sort of mish mishmashes, and you know you're having the the full big finish experience as it were of just like you know let's mash characters together with this one it was very much just felt like it's going to be the seventh doctor and davros um and we know the seventh doctor and davros because we've had them in um remembrance of the daleks so you are going into that at least i was going and expecting some big seventh doctor and davros confrontation along the lines of unlimited rice pudding which kind of didn't materialize so i don't know if it's it's the weight of expectation on the story from my side is 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 what's he's balmy he's sort of like offering victory to both sides but in doing so he says i will give you victory by creating something that will destroy you so i mean then he wonders why neither side were particularly keen on the idea so well that was the other thing it's because so much is happening you know you know, you, you said we're talking about the general. I think the general gets um, doesn't come out of this very well, if I'm being honest. Because yeah. mm. unfortunately, because the so the, the plot is is that dense, and you know, we go from Zenobia to Falcus, from Falcus back to Zenobia, from Zenobia back to Falcus, before we even get to the point of you know where you're saying, oh yeah, well now we know exactly how this is going to end. Um, so because it's moving that quickly, the the characters have to you know have brains full of plot essentially what? you know so you get you get to the point where davros arrives on zenobia and says right okay um i'll help you in the time war, but i need access to all your up-to-date strategic information and the general says all right yeah cool hmm. so then davros says right so he has the plan um to end the time or what i'm gonna do is wipe you all out and wipe the daleks out with a new master race of daleks that can regenerate and the general's like Fair play, we'll do that. You know, Davros is then, okay, I'm going to need some Time Lord genetic material for this. Yeah, cool, got some in the cupboard, you can have that. Waving. Me, 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 me. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, the general's then, so hang on, Davros, you're going to use your own, so this is going to be this new master race that's going to wipe everyone out and dominate the universe, creating peace, um, is going to be styled in your image? Yes, definitely. Yeah, seems legit. Let's carry on. So it just seemed very, um, you know, it, it it didn't seem that anyone actually ever stopped to think about what was going on. Then the doctor goes, oh, yes, I suspected it all along. I thought, no, you bloody didn't. You never mentioned it at all. In fact, you were saying the completely the opposite about two scenes earlier. So. It, I, I, I thought it would it demonstrated the, the sort of Time Lord desperation if you think about the uh is it the last of the is it the last no not the last of the time lords was the end of time where by that point they're yeah. you know yeah. they're just you know, the rassilons con contemplating them becoming just creatures of thought and yes. wiping out their bodies and then you've got the reality bomb that davros has created in in um, stolen Earth, and you know where, where they're absolutely prepared to to win by obliterating everything. I think there is that. The, the but they're still of, intending to survive it, though, aren't they? Whereas this they, is they like... are, but there's nothing. There'd be nothing left. Just just them. Um, I think yeah. there is there is sort of from both Time Lords and from from a Dalek perspective, this sort of like desperation to to win it at all costs and i think you you see that in the general being so willing to accommodate you know the mere the mere suggestion of it to the you know saying about davros's plan and uh, and the general going along with it i felt like it, it crystallized a lot more for me on the the second listen because they the matrix and again it's mirroring here because the matrix and davros have both reached the same conclusion that the the only two outcomes are sort of mutually assured destruction or a new race defeating and annihilating both the Daleks and the Time Lords. 
and the general absolutely believes everything the matrix says because he says all oh, the matrix predicted the time war uh so yeah and that was the, the implication being that that was why they sent the fourth doctor to scarrow in genesis of the daleks and stuff so he's he's quite kind of military minded and everything if they're the, t- the only two outcomes he would rather have the outcome where some time lord's legacy carries on but that's where he's an unsympathetic character because he, he, if you bring peace to the universe by removing the Daleks and the Time Lords, that is more noble than um, a, a tyrannical time-traveling race created by noted monster creator Davros uh, <laughs> kind of being left behind in in, in your wake. Um, but yeah, I suppose given the, that binary choice as a, as a military man, he, he kind of goes for that sort of thing because uh, he's kind of very militaristic here and there's but then towards the end, some noble traits do come out a little bit. Like, so when they are uh, fighting the Daleks on the space station and he says, we need to get the non-combatants out. And he says to his troops, we're, we're going to stay here and defend until they all uh, get get away. And then obviously right at the end, you think he's just left, buggered off in the TARDIS, but he uh, he does come back and save the Doctor and Vecklin. So he isn't fully what you think of originally. But yeah, there's a while there where he's this very, very unsympathetic character and and like a secondary antagonist as well, isn't he? He's usually portrayed as a lot more noble, isn't he? And uh, I say at the end, he basically just like throws the doctor under the bus, saying, "Oh no, yeah. it was his fault. We destroyed the yes yeah. station." Wasn't <laughs> <even there." laughs> was, I quite it like that. Though. Pain, yeah. <laughs> a bit more of a genuine response because uh, this is the same character who sort of like took a bullet off um, Capaldi because he didn't want to get in the way of his plans and stood up against Rassilon on the doctor's behalf and stuff. So. Again, he's he was slightly different to how he's normally portrayed. So, but then again, I suppose if we're in an alternate universe because of this, whatever's going on, then I suppose that's allowed. Because he tries to in the Capaldi story, he tries to stop the hybrid, doesn't he? He tries. He he realizes what's going on and tries to to stop the creation of the hybrid. So it's it's it is a bit twisty, turny. Yeah. He thinks in this story, because although he believes the Matrix prophecies, he doesn't believe the hybrid. He thinks that's a myth, doesn't he? Which suggests that it isn't mm-hmm. it isn't a prophecy from the Matrix. So it's, it's come from somewhere else. Um, but yeah, so, but he comes to believe it in this one. So that would make then sense of the, um, uh, I suppose, the events of Hellbent. I did mm-hmm. kind of wonder if the if the intention is for the character to be called the general or whether that was just sort of like shorthand in the day of the Doctor script, because it's unusual for a non-renegade Time Lord to have like a title, isn't it? Like the Doctor, the Master, the Rani, for him to be the general. Whether that's just kind of stuck from from that script. I think that's that's something that's come about in sort of the end of time. You know, mm. that um, I think they do start calling Time Lords by the uh, whatever. So you have like what's the 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 the, the crone or the soothsayer, or whatever, and you have the general, and you then you have the the doctor, the master. It kind of I think it makes a bit sense that way. And you know, Time Lords are picking their name, as it were. They're picking their you know they've, they've got a name, something like you know like Drax or. Um, when you consider what their actual names are like, Romana yeah. Varatalundra and stuff, yeah. you can understand why they just stick with super yeah. really. Yeah, I mean, and then, the Doctor you know, just set a trend. Well, my super obviously started the trend of calling them TARDISes rather than the time capsules. So, uh, yeah. yeah, Doctor set the trend of having uh, monikers. There's the Corsair, isn't there? The Corsair, yeah. the Castellan, the Monk, the Monk. I suppose my my kind of head canon has always been that it's the Renegades that pick a title, and then the ones on the planet. Uh, that stay on on the planet, the home planet of Gallifrey. That they tend to have names like Rodan and Barusa and all the rest of it. Yeah. I think of that Turlo book. There was something called the Magician as well, wasn't it? Which was fairly popular. There was a very nice scene between the General and the Doctor, where you know the Doctor was basically saying, you know, in his best Sylvester McCoy, I'm getting angry. I'll stop you. Yes. If, yeah. You know, if you don't like me as an ally you really sorry i can't roll me yours really <laughs> won't like me as an enemy and i think the th- the line in that that really stuck out is when the general 
says to the Doctor, if you try and stop us, I will designate you an enemy of the Time Lords, mm. which perfectly mirrors a line we've had earlier where you know one of the Daleks is asking the Emperor, should I designate Davros an enemy of the Daleks? So, but they say no. Yeah, they say no. So, but the, the the point is, is the general is talking exactly like a Dalek. You know, we're at that point mm-hmm. where, um, you know, the Time Lords and the Daleks are very indistinguishable. And I think that needed, that's the sort of scene that we needed more of. So we needed more, you know, weight behind that to say, well, yes, this is a quite a, a momentous decision. But, you know, we haven't just made it lightly because it comes across that's been made very lightly, but it needed you know more emphasis on the the decisions behind that basically i think the story needed two parts Mm. it needed an extra part to kind of you know make things a little bit more um believable because again we'll go to falcus the most heavily guarded prison in the universe that no one could ever dare to you know spring anyone throughout out of and the walk in and walk out. You know, the walk in, find Davros and walk out with them. But they've made the the security system is is somehow attuned to Davros's. Uh, uh, I mean, at uh, the centre of the, the the prison is a, is a giant yeah. dark mutant. Yeah, there's a, there's an explanation in you know Davros's brain, consciousness. The world in Blake Seven, yes, yeah, <laughs> and that's the same fate in effect. Yes. Is is in the computer so we know the reasons why but again you know give it a bit more time and you could put a bit more emphasis on the fact that this is a really you know dangerous place that it has you know took a bit of effort rather than just flying a TARDIS in and flying out again you know Davros apparently has an escape shuttle and he creates a hole in the transduction barrier so he could basically escape himself anyway you you could have given Vecklin a bit more to do by doing a bit sort of like Mission Impossible-y stuff yeah perhaps um, so yeah, she's those, usually those... more antagonistic, and she's definitely surrogate companion in this, isn't she? It's yeah. It's, this is like my first the first time I've I've come across Becklin. Um, I gathered afterwards, you know, that she has been in in a lot more big finishes than than just this one. So as an introduction to the character, um, you know, she did seem quite secondary to everything. Um, the the highlight for Becklin was was really when the worst spring in Davros, as it were, and you know, she pulls a time-phased, you know, laser stun pistol out of somewhere and, you know, guns the clones down and, you know, has, you know, starts arguing with the Doctor and Davos has to, has to interrupt. And that scene was really good. I really mm-hmm. loved that because it felt like, yeah, actually, um, there's a bit of, um, there's a bit of sort of like Doctor and Davros road trip. Yeah, know. it takes them into the TARDIS, doesn't he? And I think... I mean, Remembrance of the Daleks is like one of my favourite stories, but it, it it's such a shame you don't get much Seventh Doctor and Davros interaction. Yeah. It's it's really to you know in that last episode. So for me now to, to to listen to this and get more of that dialogue, and it is like the great manipulator versus you know the great schemer. They're yeah. both wary of each other. They both think that they've got one over on the other, and and really they 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 don't. Um, but it, I I loved that interaction between them. There's there's always um, in in all and to be fair, a lot of the other doctors like uh, Colin um, when he's the great healer. I loved it where he just walks in and goes, "Oh, you know what you've been up to," sort of thing. It's just such a a casual freeziness about it. it's like oh it's davros again what are you doing um <laughs> it but it i i loved some of that dialogue and you're you're right there were that that moment when davros had to intervene between you know the, the sort of two squabbling time lords um and yes i think there could have been more and it, there, there was a lot more that could have been unpacked and fleshed out and yeah and brought to nice to have a discussion with Davros and the Doctor, just not sort of an, as antagonistic, just because, like in Genesis, they have a bit of a just a chatter scientist, and that would have been nice just to because they've known each other a long time, they are enemies, but I mean, also they've been consistent in each other's lives, like basically since the year dot, hasn't it? So it's uh, 
Um, that would have been nice. Just have, a, as you say, a quieter moment where they could have just discussed what the hell are we doing, basically, and what have we caused and all this. And it's a shame we never got that moment. Because I think with the other stories I've had, um, that feeling of, you know, a 60th anniversary coming through, you know, different themes. Um, when we did Past Lives, I talked about nostalgia. And when we did um, Artists at the End of Time, it was about legacy. So what you're saying there, Keith, that would have been lovely if they did have that of sort of like old enemies facing off, you know, after all this time, what have we actually achieved? I think um, one good thing about having the Seventh Doctor and Davos together, though, has got to be how much Sylvester McCoy loves saying the word Davros. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he, he gets it. He gets to say it quite a few times in this, and every time there's a little different inflection, but you can just tell he's spitting it out, Davros, at some times. It's a and snarl, it's, um, isn't it? It's a snarl to it, yeah. And I think this is a really really good performance by Sylvester McCoy and Terry Malloy as well both you know struck me as as being stars of the show in this um I don't know what you guys think but that was an absolute highlight was was hearing these two just bring the script to life yeah it's definitely it, the brown jacket doctor rather than the beige jacket doctor isn't it in this one it's uh, well he's on full portentous I think in this one I, I did feel there was a touch of the 24s to him he was a bit sort of you know, sprightly and a bit, um, a bit mischievous in times. You know, and obviously had his, he had a little. What was he's uh, often a slip between cup and lip. Yeah, he gets his he gets his little uh, saying in. Yeah. yeah, I love it when he when he first uh, is talking to uh, Vecklin, and he goes, "My tardiest, my rules," and he's like, "You know, yeah. I don't work for the Time Lords." <laughs> it's really sort of. That to me was like you know chocolate brown cover, uh, you know chocolate brown jacket. I hated that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, I thought that was awful. <laughs> so it just goes to show there's something for everybody. <laughs> and he, he, but he, he had some some more sort of like quieter moments as well, where he's kind of like he is thinking, you know, like Davos is up to something, and I'm just kind of sitting back and watching it unfold. And it was very like contemplative. Uh, which brought a mind remembrance of the Daleks with him in the in the cafe with Jeffrey from the Fresh Prince. Mm. Um, it had that that undertone as well. And like I said, there was sprinkles of of that sort of like um, you know season twenty four energy and you know falling around. So he, he kind of had the full lot. I think it was a very rounded round performance. And you know when I've talked in the other two about noticing the age of of the actors. Um, I certainly couldn't tell this was an older Sylvester McCoy mm. playing the role. Um, likewise, I know you know Davos is obviously quite um, modulated with his voice, but again, you know, you wouldn't tell this was a you know an, an older Terry Malloy. You would think this is Terry Malloy from back in the eighties. And it wasn't full on ranty Davros, as I as no. I would call mm. it, sort of the Julian Bleach explode the death, you know. <laughs> That kind of that kind Yo! of thing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was much more nuanced, and there was there was quieter moments from Davros where he would just get a you know a, a witty comment out, you know, about the the Time Lords or about the Doctor, and it, it reminded me of earlier performances of a sort of almost witticism in amongst more revelation sort of and resurrection yeah yeah mm. yeah there was a few moments where i was just like there's a there's there's a bit of com- comedy if you like that that's coming from that uh and yes you 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 obviously build up to the crescendo of him going you know i am the leader and you all obey me and everything else like that but there was some some much more subtle dialogue and yeah. I, I i appreciated that and the most glorious thing after everything that had gone on happened to Davos, the whole story is he's finally defeated by getting stuck in the mud. I thought that was brilliant at the end. <laughs> <laughs> he finally brought down by the most basic thing that could happen to him. Yeah, talking about um, you know throwbacks to previous stories, you know we we'll, we'll did end up right at the beginning at the Lake of Mutations with Davos stuck in the mud. 
I thought that was glorious. So, like, <laughs> that was his last story. It was the most ignominious end ever for him, wasn't it? I thought it was perfect. Yeah. He was, he was a bit cackly. That's the only thing I can say. The only, the only sort of gripe with that performance was there was a bit more. <laughs> than, <laughs> than, I would, than I would perhaps care for. But other than that, you know, it was... <laughs> It was it was a two out of four from Terry Malloy. That's really interesting because I think we're, uh, you're not as used to hearing the the big finish um, uh, actors that that you find the Sylvester McCoy the least changed. Um, I'm probably just really used to it because I I don't think Tom Baker sounds any different or anything. But um, I know you, you sort of took took your moment to get your ear with that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. And I guess this is kind of the present for this Doctor, isn't it? Because he was on a time war battlefield at the very beginning of Once and Future when he was struck by the degeneration weapon. And the fact that they talk about how the Doctor isn't working with the Time Lords here suggests that it was the Eighth Doctor, I guess, that was hit by the weapon. Because, yeah, if it was the War Doctor, he, you know, we know from stories like Hellbent that he was fighting alongside the Time Lords. He wasn't, like, kind of separate, so... You know, why he was on the Time Lord Battlefield, I suppose he could have just been there helping out or, uh, you know, kind of, um, you know, looking after the injured or something. So, yeah, that, I, that, yeah, I felt like that had credence to the theory. It's the eighth Doctor, really, in, in the seventh Doctor's skin here. Well, the best bit of uh, continuity in the whole thing was they mentioned Napoleon, which is a throwback yes. to uh, the Curse of the uh, curse of Davros, which um, was a Colin Baker story with Big Finish. So they even might just slip that in as well, which I thought was absolutely. Uh, um, good one for the, uh, the collectors. I think I'm right in saying that Davros in Big Finish appears most often with the Sixth Doctor, doesn't he? There's there's mm. Davros, the, uh, the the anniversary story. There's the Curse of Davros. There's Juggernaut. there's well, I can't remember the name. There's one where they end up working at the same place together, and they they kind of competing to see who can get to work earlier. I can't remember what the name of that story. That is Davros. Yeah, is it, is it Juggernaut? Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it juggernauts, I want to say, or some, something like that? No, it's Davros where they're, they're working for the same company. They're ah, working, they're right. Uh, juggernauts is when he's turning uh, mechanoids into uh, anti-Dalek weapons. That's right. But is it, there's a lot of, uh, I suppose, Six Doctor and Davros stories that spring to mind. But is, is this his first kind of rematch with the Seventh Doctor since Remembrance? There's a box set. There's a Benny box set where Davros appears. I can't remember, in all honesty, if there's any scenes with him and and the Doctor, whether it's oh, just right. him and Benny. And I think it's only sort of like a ghost on Scorrow. It's a long time since I've heard that one. But mm-hmm. they are on the same box set together, but I can't remember, if, genuinely can't remember if there's any scenes together. See, I, I just assumed this this wouldn't be the first rematch of the two. I, I assumed that, you know, in the 20-odd years of Big Finish that we've had, this would have been one of the first things they would have done, would put, you know, Terry Malloy and Sylvester McCoy back together. It feels like that, doesn't it? Uh, but I, the other thing that it surprised me that this was Davros's first time inside the TARDIS. That feels like something that you would, you, you'd have seen before. Um, but uh, you know, it obviously is the first time inside. And at that point in the story, I thought that had been his plan was to uh, hijack the TARDIS in some way or, or do something mm-hmm. once he was inside it, because it it, yeah. it seemed um, it seemed like a moment that we was like, wow, wow, this is what the inside of the TARDIS is like. I've always wanted a hat stand, and now I have it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did like that with the TARDIS when, um, you know, the Doctor and Vecna were approaching Faultless and he opened the scanner screen. He could hear the scanner screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so yeah, yes, this is this is the seventh Doctor's TARDIS. So obviously, we have then, you know, changed the TARDIS with with the Doctor. And Mark, I know you've kind of talked about the the doctor's outfit change and you know there's no mention again of whether he's his clothes have changed but i wonder what about davros because which Dav- whereabouts is davros in his timeline is he is he back to being in the chair then or is he is he sort of the bread bin davros from <laughs> remembrance oh that's horrible the, the bin bag davros yeah. it's just oh the roll on davros deodorant it, it, it's um, it's the seventh Doctor Dalek extermination noise as well. It's not the more modern one. It's the it's the um, the eighties ah. one. 
which I really love. That's interesting because presumably it's Time War Bronze Daleks, and you've got that sort of that that whirring noise when they move, like the mm. like the like the Bronze Daleks as well. But that's uh, that's a good I, spot about the. And I loved the general trying to fly the TARDIS, <laughs> yeah. just complaining about this, the state of it, and nothing works. Yeah. Just... What an alien from another planet actually know what the word jalopy meant? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the TARDIS translation circuit. Ah. And since when do the hads materialise around another time lord? Because that would have rather altered the crotons, wouldn't it? Mm. <laughs> All of the hads, yeah. yes. Well, the hads. Cold War, come to think of it, that would have rather settled that story as well. So that's a new innovation. That must be a a, a time war time war innovation. That must, be, must have been a yeah a wartime thing that they they've put in place. Yeah, it doesn't normally work like that, does it? Again, I think the Hads is just probably powered by plot. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do think the general got the best line of the whole thing, which was, um, "You mean to tell me we're stuck inside a Dalek theme park?" Yeah, I've actually written that down. Yeah, that was yeah. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so the general's been in in Big Finish as well, hasn't he? Um, as well, how does he compare in this one, him Vettlin to to other um, Big Finishers? Because again, I, this is my first real. He's usually a bit more noble, and she's usually a bit more antagonistic. So they kind of sort of um, swap roles slightly. But mm. I think if he's he's going to be a general of a time war, he's not going to be all sort of like sweetness and light. He's got to have a the dark side to have clawed himself up to the top of it. So actually, I think I quite like them in introducing that. Yeah, I think it goes back to what James was saying about sort of like the desperation of of the Time Lords in the Time War. You know, the the um, the general spells it out, doesn't he? We can't win this war because every time someone does something, someone goes back in time and changes it. And, you know, we can't shoot people because we just go back in time. And, you know, there's a... Um, nihilism about them and you know defeatism you know about them in this one so you know I can, I can see that and even before the time war you get the impression that you don't get a top job on Gallifrey unless you you sort of like clawed your way up or you've got good connections or you've got a good family or something like that so you, you very rarely the cream that arises the service it's always going to be sort of like uh, sort of like uh, the hoi polloi or the um the Time Lord version of Boris Johnson. Yes, well, essentially, yes. <laughs> the Johnson. The Johnson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I think for me, the, the one thing I found frustrating is the the they've done it on pretty much all three now. It's like the degeneration at the beginning where they flick back to like Doctor One, Doctor Two, Doctor Three, and then they sort of solidify, just so happen to stay as one Doctor for the rest of the story until he gets in the TARDIS at the end and then bam, oh, we're off to it. You know, we've now got another Doctor that's just popped up for the end credits. Uh, I think... It's becoming convenient, isn't it? Now? It is, and, 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 and part of me almost wishes that you had a change of doctor halfway through because every doctor's different. I think that would be fascinating if you had, um, you know, not to take away from what I've just said about the seventh doctor and Davros, but if you had a seventh doctor and Davros story where suddenly the, the seventh doctor changed to the fourth doctor or, you know, there, there was some different dynamic halfway through that then the main protagonist was having to, to, to deal with, you know, a very different type of of doctor. I think there's there's a bit of a trick missed there in in that respect. But it, it I mean, Man, we're on episode the, three. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, down the line. It, so I suspect it's going to be the same though. <laughs> I am actually now quite keen for some of the you know just some of the other doctors like like you know one, two, and three. To actually yeah. have more to do other than go, oh, what was it we were supposed to be doing? Boom. Yeah. Oh, yes, we're trying <laughs> to find a diamond. Boom. Oh, what's happening now? Oh, I don't know. End credits. Who am I supposed to be? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my, oh, my goodness. The first doctor, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just no, like, oh, my God, don't do that. I think you've, you've hit on something really, really interesting there because that would, you know, we, we've had 
the fourth Doctor in Davos. We've had the fifth, sixth, seventh in Davos. We haven't had first, second or third in Dav- with Davos. And again, that would be, mm-hmm. you'd think that would be actually more up Big Finish's street of, you know, mm-hmm. we are Big Finish, yeah, we do, yeah. we do the, th- you know, we, we reach the parts of the fans can't sort of thing. And <laughs> this is what we, what we do. Um, so it you, would have, it would have ruined the convenient plot, but you know of the degeneration DNA. But, <sighs> but in the two-part version, the Doctor's trying to hide the fact that he's changed, and then he can just turn back to the sense just as Davros comes around the corner. So yeah, mm. yeah. Even as a even as a way of escaping from a prison or something like that, if he temporarily sort of slipped into a a different incarnation uh, and then nobody recognized him while he got somewhere it's something he could use to his advantage but uh yeah as you say maybe maybe further down the line yeah because that, that would be fascinating seeing a uh, change midway through the story. Also be incredibly expensive to have like so many lead characters in some in the production so it's it might just be economics as well mm. yeah well, they've got some big names throughout though haven't they but 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 even yeah two doctors having two different approaches to a problem that that changed halfway through the story would would be a really interesting way of of exploring it i think yeah not not even not just davros you know any any of the stories you know i think that would be a really good angle and you never know some of them big finish might listen to this podcast and there might be a a box set coming out next year which is um (laughs) which is going to sound suspiciously familiar to you james (laughs) (laughs) hashtag royalties it it would have been really (laughs) odd if uh, Davison had, had sort of changed into to Colin, and then there was the curator as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't complain. I thought that'd be marvellous. <laughs> Colin talking to himself for half an hour. You love it. Ah, <laughs> oh, the two Collins. There you go. It's right. It's, it's right in itself, isn't it? <laughs> Bring Maxil in as well. <laughs> yeah, I'd buy it. He did do a cameo as Max in one of the Gallifreys a long time ago, which was wonderfully baffling. <laughs> I don't think while we're, we're on the subject of Big Finish, I think props to Nick Briggs for the Dalek voices as well, um, which I found really good. I think, mm-hmm. you know, there was a, a definite variety, which I'm not used to from from Nick Briggs. Um, you know, you could tell the Daleks apart. There was there was one of the voices he did, which was very Roy Skelton. Mm. Yes, um, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was almost sort of like they'd uh, got him in for a bit. I mean, I know he's dead, but uh, yeah, it's like they'd just done a sample of his voice for a second. That was amazing. Yeah, so I think that was that was another real highlight was was the the, the Dalek voices. Real hint of Zippy in that one. Yes, <laughs> and he does sort of give them a bit more character in the audio. So I think you need to do it than he than he's allowed to do on television because you need to be able to differentiate between them a lot more when you you can't see the lights flashing. And you got the supreme Dalek, didn't you? Because he, he he went to talk to the Emperor, but it was the supreme Dalek that. that it was the deep in. one, not the very deep one. Yeah, yeah. I, I immediately yeah. I had the voice. I thought of the red Dalek, you know, the red supreme Dalek from. Um, uh, End of time. Oh God! Um, yes, stolen Earth, Journey's stolen End. Stolen Earth and Journey's yeah. End. Yeah, because uh, it was that sort. Yeah, I'm older than you. I thought of the uh, one from Planet of the Daleks. That <laughs> 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 was golden black <laughs> with a torch for an eye. Yep, I had flashing torches and jam jars. Yeah. <laughs> because the story was set in Genesis, I wasn't imagining bronze Daleks either. I was sort of like on the nice. The, uh, the the battleship blue ones are from the seventies. Uh, I was thinking, so actually that didn't make any sense at all. It should be the bronze ones, but I suppose one can imagine what ones want. They didn't want to break yeah. the illusion for the uh, Carlid uh, pres- uh, the Carlid guards because they talk about the planet being bronze, don't they? The the planet that's actually a Dalek. And do you know, as soon as that line, I was thinking of a Dalek Christmas bauble. As soon as they were like, you know, it's this bronze thing with these. These turrets. So I was just thinking, there we go. Some some new merch for Christmas. It's the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the new Dalek baubles. They'll be selling out and character options after they're announced. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Four for only thirty five ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't spot that at all. That the, the description, but obviously it's audio, so they describe it. I didn't think 
that is just going to be a giant Dalek. That's um, that was a, a sort of quite a clever thing, wasn't it? Where they say, "Oh, are they what are they habitation domes or something like that?" And then later you see it from a, a different perspective that it, it is actually a giant Dalek with a uh, a giant brain. And as you say, Keith, it's like uh, like Ultra World, which uh, I've only watched very recently, so uh, it did remind me a bit of that as well. The disgusting brain breaking apart at the end, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Green ooze pouring out. But he, yeah. but he's there going, oh, I can't leave my DNA lying around, and then just, <laughs> just throws it at yeah. the brain. <laughs> if you can climb inside a Dalek to, to survive exploding things, why do not all Daleks survive exploding things? Because they climb inside a Dalek to like escape the the uh, the, the ultra world exploding, and then mm. um, I said, "Well, why do not they, they all the Daleks in the saucer get wiped out by it exploding?" So that doesn't really work out, does it? I quite like the idea of the seventh uh, Dalek, uh, seventh Doctor in a Dalek, and this sort of like grumpy Dalek rolling its R's. I just like the loan of it's like you tapping on my dome. I thought that was quite good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what was the, what was the name of that creature again, Mark? That you you said last time was going to be the the overall. Oh yeah. Oh, central. Uh, yeah. So there's no reference to central in this one. That's true. Oh, Unless yeah. it's obliquely, because the Dalek Master Plan has like un like unrelated episodes in the middle of it, and this is an unrelated episode in the middle of it. So. Uh, it's true. It's it's out of out of time, isn't it? Um, maybe maybe oh. Central is living in the diamond, which the the search for has resumed. Maybe it and saves Davros from the Lake of Mutations. Yep, that's what was coming out of the water at the end. Yep, giant uh. Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think as far as our theories go, there wasn't there wasn't really anything to to go on. No, there wasn't much in the way of arc in this. I know the G generation was, you know, saved the day in the end, but there was nothing that kind of moved that arc forward. Unlike the other -like episode, yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah, because the Time Lords say they they obviously have to mention it. Yeah, and they say we're aware it. of what's afflicting you, but we don't know anything about it, and we haven't got the resources to to help you, and we can't tell you anything because you're going to forget this anyway because you've been taken out of time. We need to keep a nice for us, yes. Yeah. It's a nice callback to the Trial of the Time Lord as well, isn't it? Because the Doctor has that, um, having been taken away from Thoros Peter, he, he can't remember the, the events sort of immediately leading up to it. So so that's that's what's convenient as well. But yeah, it's nice that uh, that the consistency is there with the the being taken out of time technology kind of thing. I mean that that can essentially happen for any big finish story. It's like yeah. we're going to create a season of you know time scoops. Yeah. <laughs> that'll be the that'll be the next anniversary special. So I should chart now because I'll be like, yeah, we took we took one each of the doctors from different stories and plunked them in another one. They did that, didn't they? A locum doctors. Sort of season, I think. They did, yeah. They had sort of like uh, things was like the fifth doctor with Vicky or something like that, and the sixth doctor with Zoe and Jamie or something, wasn't it? And was it the coy with uh, Joe Grell? And they're called locum doctors. I wish they had it. That would have been perfect, wouldn't it? Yeah, I don't think they did call it that, but I think I think maybe people were colloquially calling it that. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry, they're listening. They're writing notes. It's <laughs> this is genius. Why didn't we think of this before? Well, they did have a bit of a thing about not mixing eras at the very beginning and not recasting. I mean, that's really gone out the window since. <laughs> but if you like, listen to the early promotion stuff that says, oh, no, you won't be sort of like uh, um, getting uh, like recast or things like that. And uh, that's uh, they've obviously decided against that in a big way since then. I think I remember also, reading that. I think that, that, that was, I think that was uh, Gary Russell's dictate. He said, They've changed yeah. the regime. I think that's what's mm. slightly got. Plus, that's what I was going to say. It's badly dying off since that original dictate was made as well, hasn't it? So. Yeah, I remember reading that was that was Gary Russell's, um, yeah, kind of uh, rule for it. I mean, you couldn't get much more of a mismatch coming up in the next one. That's it. Yeah. Speaking of recasting, we've got uh, the the new Harry, uh, Harry Sullivan. Uh, he's going to be teaming up with the Sixth Doctor. 
with uh, Jackie Tyler and Lady Christina D'Souza. <laughs> You're just pulling names out of a hat now, aren't they? <laughs> 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 <This is> it. <laughs> they want write it. Yeah. <laughs> we started off with the Rod Stewart FA Cup draw. Yep. World Cup draw. <laughs> We kind of moved into things that made a bit more sense, but now we're right back. You know, Rod's just pulling one from Group B, one from Group B, one from Group C, one from Group D, and mashing we're, them together. We're on the who's who and the what's left of the uh, <laughs> of the big finish draw. I, I do think quite like the people... idea they've got sort of like characters from opposite ends of the social strata in the same story. That's quite entertaining. So. Mm. That's what. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I think Jackie and and Lady D'Souza, That is a, a very kind of valid thing to put together there, isn't it? Because, um, like you say, they're, they're they're complete opposite ends of social spectrum. So that that will be very interesting. And Harry's got grey hair on the cover, so. Hmm. Yeah, where Harry fits in will will be interesting because uh, I suppose we know that uh, you know in the meantime he's invented that Zygon virus, didn't he? And and it is maybe a little bit more morally ambiguous than he was when he left the Doctor. Yeah, because it's it's old Harry, isn't it? It's not mm. the Harry that yeah, it's the the older version of Harry Sullivan. Yeah, I mean he has been travelling with the Seventh Doctor in Big Finish, hasn't he? But it's not. But it's still the younger Harry, hmm. the seventies Harry, not the two thousands Harry. He just so, basically uh, wants to go home all the time, doesn't he? Yeah. So I guess that that's still before he invented the the Zygon virus from the Zygon invasion, Zygon inversion. So yeah, I suppose that you know there is there is a chance he could be more of a more of an antagonist now in uh, in this story. Maybe he's working for Central. We'll have to <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're back on that. <laughs> You'll be listening for any reference. It's like, there it is. <laughs> I don't want bad Harry, though. But I like Harry. I don't want him to go bad. <laughs> yeah. It could be a huge coincidence that there was two references to Central in the first two stories, but it just seems so out there that uh, I feel like they're seeding something. There are no coincidences. Yeah. Someone at Big Finish having a good old chuckle going, this will throw him off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's put two references in the first two stories. <laughs> Mind you, they are getting to the point now, they are running out of things to bring back, so it is going to get to the point where it's going to be delegates. In fact, they've even had a story with delegates in at one point. I think uh, there was a Tom Baker story which had a bloke who thought he was Maverick Chan and somebody was actually related to Zephyr in it. So. <laughs> right. They're running out of uh, back catalogue, I think. I think we've given them plenty of ideas in this podcast. Greyhound Trap One. Is that you, Yates? Where are you? So we'll be back next month to talk about Two's Company, and I hope you'll all join us at home. And I hope the discs have arrived by then. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you very much for listening. Join us next time, where the good news is. Fraser and Keith will be back with US Jason. The bad news is I'll be back as well, and we'll be talking about the target novelization of Kablam! So we'll hope you will join us then. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.